Hello, my rebels. Today I go through some of the media reaction and political reaction to Biden taking the lead in the vote count. He's not the president-elect yet, and I want to make that clear, and I do so in the video. But I go through how some of the Democrats and some of the media are handling their joy and their rage and their coping and their excitement. Um, let me invite you to listen to that, but before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, and you get the video version of it. I got some good clips for you today. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, I've heard of sore losers, but sore winners? It's November 9th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. In the days before the election, we saw lots of reports of storekeepers around America boarding up their stores, protecting their plate glass windows in anticipation of riots. Okay, let me be a little bit more accurate, though. There were storekeepers in Democrat-run cities like New York and Washington, D.C. Those were the places that were boarding up their stores, places where riots are politically acceptable, places where Democrats throw riot tantrums if they don't get their way, and Democrat politicians allow it. But I get it. The Democrats had a summer of street riots. What if the election result were so close and their guy just barely lost and thought it was unfair? What if the final conclusive results weren't clear and the country was in the state of limbo? Of course, that's exactly what happened, except that it's 70 million Republicans who feel cheated. 70 million, but everyone knows they don't riot. They just don't. There just hasn't been any riots. So the shopkeepers know it's safe to take down the boards. And the media knows it's safe, too. They were hoping for riots if the Republican won. I mean, these were the folks who talked about mostly peaceful riots this summer. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the course of the night. A second night since Jacob Blake was seen shot in the back seven times by a police officer. And what you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. I saw Gerald Butts' new boss, Ian Bremer, the guy who gave him a soft landing in New York after Butts was kicked out of Trudeau's office in disgrace. He wrote, now is the time for every Biden supporter to reach out to one person who voted for Trump, empathize with them, tell them you know how they feel. You do from 2016. Come up with one issue you can agree on. Thanks, Dad. Uh, now, I actually don't think Ian Bremmer knows anyone who voted for Trump. It doesn't know them well, at least. I mean, I, he probably has a name or two in his Rolodex, but... I don't think he has any conservative friends. It's like that book I told you about the other day, Coming Apart by Charles Murray, that talks about the great divide in America. Do you know anyone who is an evangelical Christian? Are you friends with someone with whom you vigorously disagree about substantive things? Have you ever been on a factory floor? Have you ever lived in a small town for a year or more that wasn't a college town, etc.? You're not evil if the answer to all of that is no. You're just disconnected from the other half. 
from the 70 million people who voted for Trump and do not feel like Hillary Clinton supporters. Hillary Clinton supporters were upset because their candidate and their party lost in 2016. It's true. That is upsetting, but that happens to half the country every election. That is normal. That's the feeling of losing. Trump voters are feeling something more than losing. They're feeling something being stolen. If you lose your wallet, if you drop it, if you left it somewhere, if you misplaced it, you're frustrated and you're upset. But if you didn't lose it, if it was actually stolen from you, that is a completely different feeling. A stolen wallet is a grievous offense against you. It's morally unacceptable to you. You need justice. Losing a wallet is your own foolishness. Maybe you blame yourself, but having it stolen, that is unjust. And look, that's just a wallet, a few dollars, some ID cards, more hassle than anything. But losing an election, a momentous election, not losing, having it stolen. Hillary Clinton could never claim it was stolen from her. I mean, she lost Wisconsin. She did misplace it. She never campaigned there in the general election. I mean, sure, she claimed Russia stole it from her, but there was never any evidence of that. It was obvious she never really meant it, and neither did her party, and neither did the media. It was just a way of her avoiding responsibility. It was a way of her attacking Donald Trump with her own sins. She sold the Secretary of State's job to the highest bidder. The Clinton Foundation's taking tens of millions of dollars from foreign, foreign countries. Donald Trump didn't raise foreign money for his campaign. He wasn't submissive to foreign powers. The Democrats are clever enough to accuse their opponents of their own sins. And if you're trying to convince 70 million Americans that the election was not, in fact, rigged, I can think of nothing more counterproductive than to censor any legitimate questions about the election and its fairness. Yet look online, look at how Twitter, for example, censors Trump's tweets about the election and its anomalies and its legal recounts, censoring more than half his comments. Are you trying to convince people it wasn't rigged by interfering with legitimate questions about the rigging? By telling the president what he can or can't say? about his own campaign? It's insane, it's madness. Yeah, sorry, Ian, but your very question shows you have no clue. Um, but it wasn't about reaching out, it was about showing his own tribe how magnanimous he is. Do you think he knows a single MAGA hat-wearing American? I know he mocks those in flyover country. Here's a Twitter exchange between him and Gerald Butts making fun of Republicans as, you know, really terrorists, American ISIS or whatever, so you know he's just lying. But they weren't lying about how excited they were, the neutral people, the reporters. Y you can count on these reporters not to lie about the facts, but, you know, they just let it slip here, right? Here's Don Lemon. No longer did we have to live under people who pretending that up is not up and down is not down, that one plus one doesn't equal two. And so I can't help but be emotional at this moment. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to say, so forgive me. I may not say all the right things tonight. I am very emotional, and guess what? I am speaking for everyone, but I got to tell you, when I watched that black woman come out on stage tonight, and I saw all of those people from of all ages and all different backgrounds, and the whole entire theme was everyone is welcome under this tent. We don't care who you are. We don't care if you voted for us or not. You're all part of this American experiment. It was, I was so overwhelmed to hear that. I don't care what people think, if they think I'm biased or not, if whatever, I don't care because I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a conservative, I'm not, I'm not a liberal. I am an American. And we all deserve to be able to live in this country and have respect. And what this administration and what this president doesn't do, they do not respect people or anyone who doesn't believe what they believe.
And so I'm very emotional. So when you ask me how I'm feeling right now, I'm sorry. That's all I can tell you. This is how I feel right now. I am so happy to have this platform to be able to do this. I may not have it after this, but I really don't care. I am so happy to live in a country that has an administration that is going to go in. Regardless, I'm going to challenge them on their policies. I'm going to hold them to account. But when you say we're all welcome and we're all equal in this country, amen, I'm in on that. Yeah, Don, it's been really hard, really tough, earning millions of dollars a year to sneer at people. I know you were the victim. It was really hard. Look at him here with the Lincoln Project, folks. University. Right. Also, he doesn't really say that she couldn't identify Ukraine on a map. He insinuates it's just a petty, it's just a petty attempt to put her down, right? Is that what this is? Of course. Of course, it, it, it's, it's a, it's, he's just trying to demean her, and it, obviously it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump. Um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. You, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my your path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but, 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 oh my God! But, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you know, but, but in all honesty, but all, blame you know what Rick. NPR should do? Why not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you? Give me a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. That was good. Sorry, Rick. You, that you, was a good one. I needed that. Okay, so listen. Yeah, thank God you don't have to worry about Trump making fun of you anymore. Phew, you dodged the bullet. Here's a mashup of neutral reporters and honest dealers character matters it matters telling the truth matters being a good person matters i don't know why i'm crying so much but what got me choked up was the picture of the cab driver and so i'm very emotional so when you ask me how i'm feeling right now i'm sorry that's all i can tell you this is how i feel right now nobody knows what it feels like as a black man um, to be able to speak in this moment. If you're an immigrant, you don't have to worry if the president's going to be happier to have babies snatched away or send, send dreamers back for no reason. Me too. I started crying again when I heard the bell from Paris. I keep crying. I'm going to cry now. Go away from me. You're going to make me cry. We don't care who you are. We don't care if you voted for us or not. Look, they tell you how much they love Biden, how much they hate Trump. How can you be sure that they're reporting 100% accurately on the vote recounts? Here's the CBC. They spent all day crying. How wonderful it is to have Harris and Biden. They're tears of joy, I mean. She'll go back to being a neutral reporter right away. You bet she will. It's not even conceivable that a CBC reporter would ever say those sorts of things about Stephen Harper or Jason Kenney that they were crying tears of joy. It's just impossible, like other left-wing world leaders. Justin Trudeau was quick to congratulate Biden on his win. 
Trudeau won't even say the word Trump in press conferences now. He always hated Trump. Fair enough, I think Harper hated Obama and vice versa, but they were both grown up enough to have worked together. Imagine all the opportunities that were wasted because Trudeau couldn't get over himself. But we shouldn't go too fast. There was no President Dewey, despite what the newspapers said. There was no President Gore, even though he fought for a recount for more than a month. It hasn't even been a week for Trump, but the media has already moved on. I think the odds are with Biden. It's harder to unrig an election than it is to rig it. And judges are naturally loath to overturn an election, let alone a whole national presidential election. But who knows? I mean, Joe Biden has been around for 50 years. And you know what they say, friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. Here's some of his. Anybody who runs for the Supreme Court or is appointed to the Supreme Court, to be more precise, should understand. I have not made my judgment based upon this proceeding because we have not heard all the evidence. As a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. That's Clarence Thomas. He's on the Supreme Court now. Here's a couple more you might remember. So I'm going to ask you one last time. Are you willing to ask the White House to authorize the FBI to investigate the claims that have been made against you? Well, I'll do whatever the committee wants, of so, course. And I've heard you say that, but the I've, witness not, I've, not heard you ask, I've not heard you answer a very specific question that's been asked, which is, are you willing to ask the White House to conduct an investigation by the FBI to get to whatever you believe is the bottom of the allegations that have been levied against you? The FBI would gather witness statements. You have Sir, the witness it's, it's, statements. It's, it, I'm not, I don't want to debate with you how they do their business. I'm just asking, are you willing to ask the White House to conduct such an investigation? Because as you are aware, the FBI did conduct a background investigation into you yes, before we were aware of these most recent allegations. So are you willing to ask the White House to do that? And say yes or no, and then we can move on. I've had six background investigations over 26 years. Sir, as it relates to the recent allegations, are you willing to have them do it? The, the, the witness testimony is before you. No witness who was there supports that I was there. Okay, I'm going to take that as a no and we can move on. To both be friends with some women and treat other women badly. Did you um, watch Dr. Ford's testimony? Uh, I did not. I plan Thank to. You. I plan to. You. I plan to, but I did not. So I was preparing mine. That's Brett Kavanaugh. He's on the Supreme Court now. And then there's Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, to ensure the fitness of nominees for a lifetime appointment to the federal bench or to any of the other uh, positions uh, for any of the committees on which they appear, uh, I ask each nominee these two questions, and I will ask them of you. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests? for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. She's on the Supreme Court. Now, I'm not saying these three judges will take their vengeance on the Democrats. I think they're above that. I think they're better people. I'm just saying Biden is not yet the president-elect, despite what the CBC says, the Electoral College chooses the president. They haven't chosen yet. There are various states with serious lawsuits afoot. It's not up to Trudeau or Ian Bremmer or Michelle Obama or Stephen King or the CBC to decide. It's up to Americans through their constitution. As our friend Joel Pollack put it, Donald Trump got more people to the polls than anyone in history.
Joe Biden got more envelopes to the polls than anyone in history. Trouble is, envelopes are what was counted. If I were Joe Biden, I'd sure be hoping that none of those envelopes would be rejected by Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. Trudeau would hope, well, he'd probably have the same hope, I think, if he even knew what he was talking about. Stay with us for more as we talk to Gordon Chang about China's reaction. Welcome back. Well, even though the Electoral College has yet to formally select the next president, the world sees that Joe Biden has the lead in terms of the vote count, and he's certainly acting like he won. Now, some countries like Mexico and Russia have refrained from congratulating Biden, pointing out that it is not yet final. Other countries couldn't be more delighted. We've seen Iran make statements of delight, not so much that Biden is back, but that Trump is gone. We've also seen that from Venezuela. And what about China, the most important geopolitical military rival to the United States? What have they said? Are they waiting? Not at all. They are cheering and celebrating. Joining us now to go through some of their public statements is our friend Gordon G. Chang, the author of The Coming Collapse of China. You can find a link to that on Amazon below this video. Gordon, it's great to see you. China uh, has this um, wolf, this lone wolf, this, uh, this, this aggressive combative style of diplomacy. They have not been very diplomatic in the last few days, have they? They're, they're dunking on Trump, aren't they? Yes, the Global Times, which is controlled by the Communist Party's People's Daily, has actually gone after Trump. Um, the, the most interesting thing that they've said in the last 48 hours is that they're concerned about what they call the final madness of the Trump administration. In other words, last minute actions meant to make sure that uh, President Biden is not able to reverse Trump's China policies. So there has actually been quite a lot of commentary in the Global Times and other uh, media. Interestingly, Ezra, the foreign ministry, which is official, has yet to say anything. So they've sidestepped questions about congratulating um, Biden on his victory. And, and that is, um, to me, um, a mystery. That is very interesting, because of course there is no free and independent press in China. The Global Times, which you mentioned, is an English language media that is really the unofficial voice of the Communist Party. We have a tweet from Global Times. I'd like to put that on the screen just for a second. Uh, in his last 70 days in the White House, Donald Trump has no resources to allow him to stir up trouble. As Chinese experts suggest, he won't be able to provoke military conflicts with China, but surprises could rear up, such as a ban on WeChat and TikTok. It's interesting that that's what they're worried about. I wonder what other things they could do. They could declare certain diplomats persona non grata. They could... Um, do agreements with Taiwan. What are some of the things that Trump could do in the next two months to cement his China policy that would be tough for Biden to undo? Well, I think that a um, couple things. Um, so, for instance, the Justice Department could declare China's Communist Party to be a transnational criminal organization and maybe even prosecute it under the RICO statute, hmm. Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organizations. Um, 
That would be difficult because essentially for Biden, he'd then have to come into office and say, no, I'm not prosecuting them for money laundering or selling fentanyl or whatever. Um, with WeChat and with TikTok, uh, I think those would also be difficult to undo, um, largely because, um, you know, once once you um, unplug an app, it's going to be difficult for them to come back. Um, of course, though, there is the possibility of a deal with Oracle and Walmart. I don't think that deal will go through, Ezra, because the Communist Party doesn't want to give up control of the algorithm, mm -hmm. which TikTok has been using to try to inflame American political opinion. Um, and there, there are um, a number of chip bans that could be imposed on Huawei Technologies, the Chinese telecom equipment manufacturer. Um, so there's a whole range of things that the Trump administration could do. And that would really put Biden in a predicament should he try to undo those uh, actions. You know, the comment by Global Times implies that Trump is a warmonger. In fact, I think the opposite is probably closer to the truth. In the last four years, he has started no new wars. Um, he's built up America's military in terms of equipment, and he's got NATO to spend more. But I don't think he's been a provocateur. I don't think he's been looking for fights. He's brought some troops back. I think that might be Chinese paranoia or Chinese excuseology for their belligerence. Um, I just don't see Trump doing anything dramatic on the military side. That's just not anything he's done. But could he do something on the intelligence side? I've, I've seen calls in recent days for Trump to declassify anything ranging from the, the Russia collusion investigations to even declassifying things about Julian Assange. Do you think there's any information Trump could declassify that would shock Americans as to the degree to which the Chinese Communist Party is infiltrating academia, politics, fundraising? Because, you know, that's, that's a bell that couldn't be unrung if those secrets that I bet you the FBI and the CIA has, if Trump were just to make those public for the world to see, maybe that's something Trump could do. Yes, I mean, there's always been the suggestions, and we've heard these for the last couple of months, about declassifying um, some of that information. Um, and, and I think Trump could very well do that. Um, and as you say, once it's out in the public domain, um, you can't reclassify it. So um, yes, definitely, that's a possibility. And, and on your earlier point, yeah, Trump has not been warlike. He's been doing his best to avoid conflict with other nations. And so, um, you know, when China talks about Trump invading Taiwan, uh, invading China or whatever, that's just ridiculous. Um, that's just a projection of uh, what the Chinese would do um, if the situations were reversed. Yeah, that, that's very uh, good observation. Uh, there are some countries, I told you some of the countries that are cheering for Joe Biden, but I think that there are countries that are a little bit scared right now. I think the three Arab countries that recently made peace with Israel might be worried that America is going to side with Iran again. I think Taiwan has got to be, be near the top of the list because China's been so bellicose about Taiwan. And I don't know how strong the remaining Hong Kong democracy movement is. They've been crushed in a number of ways. Uh, is there anything Trump could do or say or agreements or declarations it could make to give support to Taiwan and Hong Kong that might last longer than his next two months? assuming he is replaced uh, by Joe Biden. I'm putting aside for a moment that there are lawsuits challenging the results, but is there anything Trump could do for Hong Kong and Taiwan that would persist beyond 70 days? 
Yeah, with Hong Kong, he could actually start sanctioning banks that have uh, commercial relations with individuals who have previously been sanctioned under the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. And that, of course, would have lasting effect. Um, on Taiwan, um, there's not much more that Trump can do. He's, he's already approved some important arms sale packages. Um, the Biden administration could always undo those, but it would take a big political cost for um, those types of actions. So, you know, uh, I think that Taiwan is in a pretty good um, position right now, especially because across the aisle in the U.S., there is support for Taiwan. The one big question for Taiwan, though, is um, Biden has always viewed um, the island republic as a subset of China relations, mm -hmm. and so is willing to sort of bargain it away because he wants, for instance, you know, something else like climate change. So that is a risk, but it's a risk which I think that um, you know Taiwan's friends could be able to um, mitigate. Huh. Um now, I have one last question. You're very generous with your time, Gordon. And by the way, if you're not following Gordon yet, please do. I learned so much about China from Gordon. He's at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, and he's one of my handful of must-follows. One of the things that I know has been of interest to a lot of people is Huawei. It really is a Chinese equivalent to Google in terms of its um, sophistication. In some ways, I think it's even ahead of Google in artificial intelligence and things like that. Uh, there are real and, and genuine concerns based on science and security worries about Huawei building the 5G systems of the West, the telecom, internet, phone, the, the deep infrastructure. Some of the countries in the world have said no Huawei. Canada is still on the fence. Are you at all worried that if Biden becomes president, that, that Huawei will be able to inject itself into Western infrastructure? Or has Biden, I, I don't know where he stands on Huawei. I know um, that Susan Rice, Obama's national security spokesman, was often against Huawei. So I'll give him credit for that. Do you know where Biden is on that question? He didn't talk about it at all. Um, you know, there's a couple of issues with regard to Huawei. I mean, there's the clean network initiative of the State Department mm. to make sure that countries don't buy equipment from Huawei and uh, ZTE which is another Chinese telecom equipment manufacturer. Um, also, um, you know, there's the issue of chip sales. Um, and the president, President Trump has actually progressively tightened down on chip sales to Huawei. I'm sure that's going to be at the top of Beijing's wish list when they talk to the new administration. Um, I hope that this is one area where Biden will stand firm. And I think that he probably will because he'd pay a big political price for um, giving in on, on chip sales. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, of course, in the last few weeks, as Hunter Biden's laptop became a story, at least for conservative media, now the mainstream media really didn't pick up that story. It'll be interesting if Biden feels gun-shy about China issues because of that, or if he's brazen and saying, you know what, you didn't stop me before, I'm not going to hesitate now. I notice that Hunter Biden has made public appearances again. I guess we'll find out in the weeks ahead. Gordon, it's great to see you again. I know you're so busy. There's so much to cover, so we'll let you go. But thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to us as you do so often. Well, thank you so much, Ezra. I really appreciate it. Right on. Well, it's our pleasure. There you have it, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. You can buy his book, The Coming Collapse of China, at the Amazon link below this video. Stay with us. More ahead.
Welcome back to my monologue Friday on what happens if Trump loses. Bruce writes, if Trump loses, it's the end of civilization as we know it. America is the last frontier of freedom on planet Earth. George Soros, Soros will get his wish to turn the world into hell for the proles and heaven for the elites. You know, I think that um, Biden will probably manage to hold on to what he stole. Um, you could see that the Republicans picked up a bunch of seats in the House, which shows that uh, people aren't thrilled with Biden. What it turns on in so many ways, I think, is Georgia, where they have a runoff for the Senate. I think it's so important that the Senate be in the hands of the opposition to slow down and stop some of the more insane things of Joe Biden. If the Democrats grab Georgia, then I think it could be as bad as you say. David writes, if Trump is banned from Twitter, he and the new resistance will regroup on Parler, and Twitter will take the biggest hit in its history. Well, you know, uh, we're on Parler. It's another social media. Uh, it's a little unwieldy if you like Twitter, but it'll come along. Trouble is, everything sits on a deeper structure, a deeper foundation on the Internet. You've got a website, and it sits on a uh, DNS server, and you need a PayPal or a bank account. You, there's so many things, and it's all resting on, I don't know, some Amazon system underneath it. Unless you own your structure all the way down, and unless you've got a financial structure that can't be taken away by the credit card companies or paywall, or PayPal or Stripe, you are vulnerable. Parler, just like Gab, just like any of the other media, are vulnerable to someone upon whom they rely for internet infrastructure. I don't even know the terminology. I just know that every website, every host is built on something else. You frankly need your own bank. You probably need your own country to truly be immune from censorship. Sean writes, he's already lost. Long live democracy, the PRC, and death to Alberta's oil and gas. Yeah, um, you know, that's certainly Joe Biden's view and uh, Rachel Notley's and Justin Trudeau's. They're all cheering for Joe Biden. Me, I think that, uh, I think things are gonna be tough for the next four years if Biden gets it. And if Trump can pull it out of the fire, well, better board up those shops again. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you and all, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.